Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is a special bonus episode of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and today in the virtual studio, I have a special guest, one of my longtime internet witch pals, a truly fabulous person, and the host of Witchcraft for the Restless. If you haven't heard it, you oughta. It's Kai. Welcome, Kai. Hello. It's so great to be here. It's really fabulous to having be having mutual podcasts and be mutual followers. It's great. I know. This is so exciting. Yeah. Kai and I have, we've been mutuals on, on the Tumblr witch community for, God, like a minute. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've almost sort of come up together in a way, if you think about it. A little bit. I started on tumblr not witchy tumblr in like 2009 so it's been a while and then witchy tumblr started for me like maybe six years ago so it's been a while <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for me too i think uh I, I started out in like the mundane sphere if there's anything about that site that can be called mundane anymore oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you know we we were moving in the same witchy spheres and kind of finding our feet at the same time and now we both have podcasts and it's super cool yeah it's kind of nice to be traveling on sort of a parallel-ish paths on this on the internet at least <laughs> yeah for real and speaking of podcasts you host witchcraft for the restless I do. i'm super enjoying it tell these lovely lovely people about your show um, so I'm a, a queer witch. I am a folk herbalist, and which means that I'm not a clinical herbalist. I don't treat other people, just myself. And I'm learning clinical herbalism at the moment. Um, I'm a gardener and tarot reader and sort of a jack of all crafts. And so that is why my show is called Re Witchcraft for the Restless. Um, it, we are restless crafters here with many disparate interests and sort of bring it all together through the lens of witchcraft. That's fabulous. And I am always, always here for folks who make the differentiation between folk herbalism and clinical herbalism, because that's really, really important. Yes, so, yes it is. I was just uh, listening to the last, um, the most recently posted episode of, of this show. And uh, yeah, it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it a lot. I, and I, I'm going to take that again. <laughs> Um, I highly recommend it as a, as a listener for anyone who wants to use herbs in their practice at all. Like, even if you're not eating them, just using them in general. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so on your podcast, you talk a lot about personal traditions. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're both a little bit off the beaten track when it comes to how we conduct our practices. And I thought it might be fun to sit down and go through our personal calendars 
and have a chat about what traditions we have in common uh, and which ones might be unique to ourselves and what we do. Sound like fun? Yeah, definitely. I was really excited to talk about this because I've never actually been part of any religious tradition in the witchy sphere. I grew up Christian, but after that, I was never into Wicca or anything like that. So all of my traditions are pretty personal. So we have that in common, actually. I was raised Christian as well. And uh, when I started out, I was like Wiccan adjacent kind of, because it was the early 2000s and that was more or less what was available. We, we didn't right. yet have this, this we, we didn't yet have this movement toward the more secular sort of open idea of the community. The, the, the amount of viewpoints that were available in the literary spheres anyway was, was uh, still a little bit limited. And we were still very much in the, the, the charmed white light you know, love and goodness all around, yes. you know, we were still in the read thumping era. We'll, we'll put it that way. I, I, I seem to remember that. Yeah, I think that's part of why I didn't get into calling myself or identifying with the term witch as early. Um, because what I was doing, I wouldn't have called witchcraft at the time. So that's why I, I wasn't involved in the witchcraft community as as early like at a, as such an early age even though my craft hasn't really changed since then it's just that my craft wouldn't have been considered witchy at the time did you also get into witchcraft via uh your interest in herbalism i did although when i first started out i was keeping the two very separate i was studying herbs magically and their magical use and their medicinal uses and keeping those two very separate in my brain because I didn't want to be one of those witches who just uses medicinal herbs magically. Like I just, those two wanted, I wanted to keep those a little bit more separate when I was beginning at least. Mm, yes, preach. Yeah. I was, I was in a similar boat because uh, I had started studying clinical herbalism uh, sort of as a hobby and then as I've said before, somebody handed me a copy of Cunningham's Herbal and away we go. Yeah. So, yeah, we really did start on a kind of similar footing, didn't we? Yeah, I started, yeah, in studying clinical herbalism via my, as a, as a hobby interest, and it slowly became the thing that I want to eventually do as a career. And, like, I, I also want to incorporate um, my spiritual practice with that clinical practice and sort of have a spiritual and medicinal healing practice but in a way that is obviously medically sound medically sound is always good yeah, yeah there's, there's far too many great. there's far too many healers out there just you know giving us a bad name Oof, right yeah. that actually sounds like a clinic i would go to Ooh. sort of like the 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 holistic but practical aspect of it that sounds great yeah yeah that's kind right. of that's kind of what the what I'm all about is the practical first. <laughs> yes, same, same. So bringing it back around to personal holidays and traditions, celebrations, all that lovely, lovely stuff. Full disclosure, I am a terrible pagan. <laughs> uh, my craft is 
largely secular. It's it's very, very practical. I do have patron deities, but I really only talk to them when I super duper need to or yeah. on their particular holidays. I know that's anathema to some folks, but my focus is hard enough to pin down on my best days. Honestly, and yes, same. It, I, I, I wasn't great at like following Christian rig- uh, rituals or, you know, regular prayer or meditation or anything when I was, you know, neck deep in my Jesus freak phase. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's even harder now when I'm trying to forge my own path and I don't have, you know, an entire congregation of people like trying to tell me how to do it. Right. Yeah. So, so this, this is all going to seem um, a little bit patchwork. My, my is, is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, since I'd never really had a, um, a set tradition or path that I was following. Like I knew about the wheel of the year. Like I knew that it was a thing, but it's not what I based, you know, what was important to me around. So it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Same. Do you, uh, do you follow the wheel at all or do you just kind of go by the calendar? I do follow the wheel of the year, uh, but it's more like if I catch it, it's great. <laughs> like if I catch it on the day of, fantastic. If I'm just, you know, acknowledging the season of that week or that month, that's great too. That's kind of how I am with uh, with some of the, I don't want to say less important, but the, the holidays that I don't necessarily mark, as it were. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that's definitely me with like every single full moon it's like wait it's tonight crap yeah um i almost always only notice the new moon i don't know why i just only ever look up when it's the new moon so the full moon just always passes me right by interesting so i love asbots i like to wave at them as they pass by yes yeah. Do you have any sort of overarching traditions that involve um, the seasons? I guess we can start there because that's a nice overview of the year, I suppose. Yeah, I am a big gardener. So a lot of my traditions in the spring and summer and harvest season actually all involve what is happening in the garden. So that's a big season long sort of ritual that I go through every year is, is gardening. That makes perfect sense. Um, I I have some of that going on, not quite to the extent that I think uh, that some other witches might or that you do, because uh, I'm working with a windowsill and not a yard, but it works. For the sake of simplicity, I actually aligned my four patron deities with the four seasons. Mm. Uh, just for, for example, uh, Bridget in my and this is all complete you know UPG this is unshared personal gnosis this is just how I do the thing because it's what makes sense to me full disclosure yes. Bridget in my mind presides over March April and May because those are the spring months and she just has a spring association in my head mm-hmm. Lou uh, Lou Samildenach uh, presides over June, July, and August because he presides over a lot of things that have to do with summer. And of course, Lunasa on August 1st. 
Yeah, first harvest for sure. Mm-hmm. Freya presides over my favorite season, autumn, from September through November. Uh, that I don't actually know if that uh, aligns with anything particular in her mythology. Uh, I just happen to know that so much of what she's about has to do with remembering and sort of dealing with the harder parts of life. And to me, that has a very sort of autumn feel to it. Yeah, and then, yeah that's very solid. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Thor presides over the winter from December to February, which seems fitting. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't actually mark the seasons from solstice to solstice for this, just because I kept forgetting. Mm-hmm. I it, I it would that. be one of those yeah it'd be one of those things where the 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 solstice would come up on me and I'd be like oh shoot that was yesterday I needed to light a candle or change the garlands and I completely forgot and now I feel like an idiot so now I just go on the first of the month and it's so much easier to mark most of how I mark the seasons is noticing what's happening in nature so like it the calendar date doesn't really matter so much to me but like when the crocuses come up or when the um uh when the snowdrops are blossoming that's imulk for me Oh, that's sweet. And and that's that's very appropriate because they do start coming up like right around the beginning of February. Not here, they don't. <laughs> so my Amalka is like in March. But Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's it's later, but it's there. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Nice. Sorry, we 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 have a penny with us in the studio and she's being distracting. Oh. Penny. Penny Elizabeth, what are you doing? That's an adorable name. Calcifer hasn't made her appearance yet. Calcifer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you named your cat Calcifer. It's so sweet. <laughs> Hi, Penny. Silly girl. Oh, yeah. She's just going to walk around on my desk and probably attack the lampshade in a minute. Because <laughs> she's naughty. <laughs> I'm not naughty. I'm just feisty. <laughs> she's a ginger. Oh, that'll do it. Calcifer's, oh, yeah. Calcifer's a... A tortie tabby. So she's got like the the tortoise markings, but with tabby stripes. Oh, that's so sweet. She kind of looks fiery. That's why she's calcifer. Oh, that's perfect. And here's Havoc busting down the office door. (laughs) (sighs) You guys can't leave me alone for 10 minutes. (laughs) Absolutely not. But you might need us. (laughs) You might be in need of a belly. (laughs) Silly, silly cats. Well, since you brought up Imbolc, that seems like a real good place to start. I know it's not uh, its not generally the actual start of the pagan calendar, but it is the first official wheel holiday uh, on the regular paper calendar, the Gregorian calendar, so it makes sense. It is, yeah. Uh, do you do anything in particular to mark the day? I actually um, work with Bridget as well. She's the only real deity I work with in any capacity. Um, I'm starting to get to know Hestia a little bit. Which is very, they feel adjacent to me. Um, and Very apropos, yes. <laughs> yeah, and Imolg was actually the first witchy holiday that I actually celebrated, like, consciously as a witch. 
Um, and I lit all the white candles that I had on hand and I made bridges crosses out of some um, dried grasses that I had in the garden. And so I still do those two things every year. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Um, I, I do the candle thing as well. It, it's a candle holiday. Um, yeah. Like one of the actual names for it um, for the same day, just in another tradition is Candlemas. So yeah, it's right there. Um, Bridget is my first patron. She's kind of like my prime patron in a way, in my view, it's like, she's the one who's been around more or less since the beginning for me. So in bulk every year does get special significance. I get up early, like I set my alarm so I can get up for the sunrise. I never do that. I am not a, a early morning person. I'm, I'm barely a daytime person. So mornings are not to be accomplished without a lot of coffee, but on Imbolc, we make an exception. We're similar in many ways, but that is not one of them. I, my body has started waking me up at 6.30 every morning, regardless of how much slept I get. <laughs> oh, you're on farmer's hours. What the heck? I don't know how it happened. I've turned into my parents. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's the gardener thing. I bet it's the gardener. It is, but it is useful for Imbolc. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, so every year on that particular day, I'll get up, there will be a, a dawn devotional with, with candles and some, some music and a little offering. I do food offerings when I can manage it, um, isn't all the time, but you know, when I can manage it, but for her, definitely, uh, just oatmeal, milk and honey, very simple. And, uh, spring cleaning happens the same month. And if I haven't already started planning what I want to do with that year's garden that's that's when I get on it mm, that's a good time of year to do it um I do a similar thing with a morning ritual um it just what the ritual happens to be about or centered around depends on the moment um and uh, my my food offerings tend to be in bread form just usually is what I have on hand and it's the thing that I feel sort of closest to because it's something that I usually make myself. Um, and yeah, it's a really fun holiday. It is. It's nice. It's, it's uplifting. It feels, it feels like a fresh start in a way. It really does. I, I kind of, I feel like I could say this about most holidays for me. They feel like fresh starts, but um, the waking up of the, of the soil and of the earth really, it feels grounding and, and lifting. It does. You're absolutely right. I didn't actually celebrate in bulk properly in my mind, or at least as in the way that I do now until I had my own place. I did mark the day when I was still living uh, at home with my, with my family, but it was much more casual uh, partly because I was still having to kind of keep things on the down low. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also just because, you know, the, the day job gets in the way. Yeah. So <laughs> it would just, it would be more like, okay, I'm going to, you know, pick some flowers and put them on my altar, maybe light a candle, but that was it. And it, it feels, it feels like there's a much greater connection now that I'm able to do something a little bit more elaborate. 
Yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. Um, we don't own our own home, but we're renting in a house and it feels a lot different than an apartment just to practice in. Um, and like the apartment wasn't bad. It's just a very different, different thing for me to have my own land. That is a definite deciding factor in how you connect to your home and I, I guess even like how you would do your magic because it's really, really different. I'm, I'm in an apartment right now myself. Uh, it's very different when you're sort of like a floating box versus when you actually have some dirt to stick your fingers in. Yeah. When I was in an apartment, it was probably the, we were the last year we were in an apartment was the first year that I was actively practicing witchcraft. And it was, interesting to um I don't know it to, to get to know energies through the energy of of a apartment building that had so many people different so many different people living in it oh for sure I actually noticed um when I moved from you know living in a house with family that had some some land connected to it uh to a second floor apartment that I had to do certain types of magic differently. Um, funny story, when you have a second floor apartment, you can't just ward the walls and ceiling, you also have to ward the floor. Don't I know it. <laughs> Didn't figure that out for the first three months. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. And there are some different stories connected with that that I'm going to save for another time because they're way off topic. But God, are they funny? They're I mean, juicy. <laughs> I mean, they're funny now. They weren't necessarily funny at the time, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but they're funny now. So uh, back to, to Imbolc in the spring real quick. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I mark around that same time, which I think might be purely personal, is first Robin Day. And <gasps> I oh, mean, I, I do that too, but it's, it's I haven't heard it anywhere. I just, my family always says first Robin. <gasps> oh my gosh. I didn't think anybody else did it. I thought that was just a, a, a family thing that that uh, that my folks did. I thought that it was just my folks. This is really fun. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> it was my nice. mom's side of the family, and she's from uh, the West Coast, but her dad is from South Dakota. Oh, my gosh. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it, though. That's really cool. And it's just the, the first Robin of the, the calendar year, and you just kind of go, oh, hey, there's the first Robin. There's, there's no real tradition. I just kind of like to mark the day. Yeah, I have um, some pages in my personal grimoire, and I have the months laid out, and I always just mark when I saw the first Robin that year. Same. Oh, this, that, that's that really spooky. cool. <laughs> I love it. I love that. And I've, I've kind of tied it into my personal lore just because, you know, I can. Who's going to tell me not to? And yep. I, I sort of like to think that since Bridget sort of takes the winter off, after a fashion, uh, that she sends the bird out to see how things are going, because I always see it before in bulk. I'm, I'm living in Virginia, so robins will show up probably late January-ish. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I like yeah, to so think least- that, 
you know, the bird goes out and goes, well, pretty good, but not quite yet. That's so nice. They're showing up here probably late February, which is right around my birthday. It's kind of a nice, nice little birthday present if it happens on my birthday. Aw, what, uh, what, what state are you living in, just for reference? I'm in Ontario. Um, actually, Detroit would be closest. Okay, so you're, you're way, way up north. Yeah, kind of. In the southernmost part of Canada, but yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Comparatively nor- speaking way to you north, guys. Way north compared to where I am, and actually still north uh, compared to where I used to live. I used to live in, uh, in Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. Oh, great, yeah. Yeah, so that's a little closer to Ontario. Fairly Great. similar ecosystems there, yeah. Yes, yes. Similar biomes, similar seasonal shifts, similar mm-hmm. sort of timing as far as the calendar goes. Mm-hmm. So moving into spring, uh, March brings us the spring solstice. I have opinions about Ostara, which I'm also going to keep to myself. You know what I'm talking about. Most of our listeners do, too. Uh, do you do anything to mark the spring solstice? Um, it doesn't usually occur to me. Like, I always miss it. So I just tend to, to not. Um, I do have, like, Easter family traditions, but I don't really consider that the same as part of my personal traditions. Um, but, like, I, oh, oh, I do have one. Um, when I was back in the day, Christian and in youth group, our youth group leader, who is actually fantastic, uh, would decorate Uca- Ukrainian Easter eggs with us. So with the beeswax and like the little tool you apply it with and then dip it in the dye. And that became a spring tradition. But of course, it's never happening on Easter day. There's too much to do on Easter. And so um, for the whole time I was living at home, we kept that up as just like a springtime tradition. And it's something that I want to take up again in my personal traditions. I just don't have a kit. <laughs> Got to get my hands on one. That's awesome. I love the little Ukrainian eggs. They're so pretty. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, that's, and that's like a neat little meditative craft thing that you can do as well. That's, oh, that's neat. It does, like, it, you can spend hours on an egg. Let me mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah, for real. Oof. Oh, that's just so cool. That is the coolest thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm having a small moment of squee because I really, really love uh, little intricate, uh, like, cultural uh, craft things that are related to the various holidays. I just think it's so cool to see how everyone sort of celebrates the same ideas. And it just, it, it gives me a warm fuzzy. I so love that's it. Really neat. Yeah, that's it's awesome. sort of like it's like folklore nerd out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh goodness. Um I almost always miss the spring solstice too. Mm-hmm. If if it wasn't marked on the calendar, it would just be like, "Oh, it's April. I feel as though I'm forgetting something." <gasps> no. Yeah. I yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, mostly I just kind of mark that, oh, yes, it's supposed to be spring now, but it isn't. <sighs> yeah, we, we often get ice storms in April, so that's fun. <laughs> but I will tell you that getting, um, saving, collecting ice storm ice, kind of good for hexing. That sounds amazing. I mean, I know that 
there's there's lore associated with like getting meltwater from icicles for that purpose. I don't know why it never occurred to me to do the same for hailstorms or ice storms, but I'm sure it's occurred to other witches and that sounds awesome. Yeah, because an ice storm is something that you don't really want to get caught in. <laughs> for real. Oof, geez. Uh, mostly by the time March rolls around here, uh, it's, it's just sort of the rainy season, and then spring really gets going in late March, early April. All the flowers come up, and it's really gorgeous. Spring in Virginia almost makes up for missing autumn in Pennsylvania. Oh, almost. that's nice. Almost. Yeah. We actually, like, have a spring here. Pennsylvania, it would just be cold and wet up until it wasn't. Yes, so, I, yes, that's here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the spring solstice is pretty much the start of my gardening season. My gardening season starts when it starts, more or less, when the stores start, you know, stocking potting soil and seeds because I work with an indoor garden. So right. it's it's a little different to uh, being able to work in the actual ground when you have to wait for thaw and then do the tilling and all of that good, good stuff. But if I haven't gotten my seeds or my potting soil by the spring solstice, it's usually around that week when I get everything together, I clean out my pots, and I start the new garden. I actually um, missed one for Imolg. That's when, when I start my very first seeds, because um, if I'm going to do peppers outdoors here, which is where I, I put my peppers, I need to start them in February, March-ish. So um, starting seeds is always an emulg day activity and there's lots of lots of potting soil everywhere and it's chaos, but I love it. That really sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking of trying uh, like a seed starter tray for the upcoming growing season because I did things my usual way this year and then we just had so many uh, really hot, bright, overly warm, sunny days this summer. And it just baked everything with, with the strong sunlight coming through the window. It's, it's, it's been a struggle to keep things going. So I think if I, uh, if I use a seed starter tray next year, kind of harden things off a little bit before I plant them, maybe it'll help. Yeah, for sure. Um, here we're having sort of an opposite problem. It's been rainy and humid, and so there's lots of um, like pest activity here that is preventing my garden from doing its best. But um, I know the struggle, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Every time I even think of spider mites, I get like deeply personally angry, so I'm so there with you. Yeah. I just had the courage to purchase my um, very first baby succulents after, um, oh, what are they called? Mealybugs decimated my last collection. And it was a big collection. And they're all gone. So I, I just now had the courage to buy some new ones. <gasps> oh, no. The poor plant babies. Yeah, but now I have new babies. So hopefully I can make more. <laughs> Oh, here's hoping. Oh my yeah. gosh. I feel I feel like I want to send you a cutting of the immortal aloe. Uh it it has it has had some children. Um wow. 
I'm I'm kind of calling them the zombie aloes. <laughs> Back from the dead. Uh, after a fashion, yes. Funny story. Uh, when I started my garden this year, I decided to repot this monstrous Godzilla aloe plant <laughs> that mm-hmm. I've had for probably going on eight, nine years now. And wow. yeah, it was just like sitting in a little plastic tray that was not nearly big enough for it, but it was still growing because that's what they do. I love so, that. Yeah. So I had gotten it like a larger proper pot where it could actually put down some roots and really kind of stretch and spread out. But in order to transfer it, I actually had to trim off some of the like leggier bits, you know, like you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I laid the the cuttings just sort of over uh, a tray that was next to the window thinking, okay, maybe I'll uh, I'll strip the leaves and save the gel. Uh, maybe I'll just, you know, split them and dry them and, you know, then cut them up and, and use them for, for healing magic later on. Mm-hmm. And because I am me and I have ADHD, I've completely forgot about it. That can only be a blessing when it comes to succulents. <laughs> uh, I completely forgot about it until about two weeks later when I looked over and went, are those plants, are they sitting up? <laughs> they rooted themselves and uprated themselves? There is no dirt in the tray. There has been no watering. They have just started cannibalizing whatever is left of their own stem and leaf and they have bent upward so that they can catch the light that comes in through the window and they are growing all by themselves they are zombie aloes that's fantastic yeah i kind of had to like side eye the immortal aloe from its its new place which is like up on a cabinet in the corner of the dining room and kind of go did you come from the Umbrella Corporation? Should I be worried? <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, that's awesome. There was, was a distinct moment of, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I, I still... thought just, like, seeing a couple baby roots was good luck. Mm-hmm. I still haven't decided if I'm going to repot them or give them to my in-laws or something but right now i'm just sort of interested to see how long they can go yeah so i think i may just i may just leave them (laughs) well let us know how it turns out oh i certainly will yeah we'll be back with more hex positive after this brief sponsored break this episode is brought to you by too nimble too nimble is not your typical author services company Their emphasis is on educating and empowering writers by helping them make their book fit their vision, know their audience, and bring it to market. Too Nimble can guide you through the editing and publishing process, encouraging you to do what you can on your own, and providing affordable, high-quality services to cover the rest. They offer everything you need to turn your manuscript into a published book, from a quick cover design to establishing your own imprint and everything in between. 
No need to buy a big package deal. Their Too Nimble Bundle tool allows you to calculate exactly how much your selected services will cost up front, leaving out the extras you don't need. And discounts are deducted automatically. Not sure what you need? No worries. Two Nimble experts are happy to walk you through the process. And check out their Beanstalk blog for weekly updates on new resources and information on the publishing industry. Go to twonimble.com today. That's the number two nimble.com and find out how easy it is to make your book a reality. This episode is brought to you by Crowsbone. With the world in turmoil and all of us doing our best to ride out the storm, there's never been a more important time to support small business. To that end, I'd like to introduce you to Crowsbone. Run by the Weird Sisters, Crowsbone is a family-owned business with 20 years of experience in the study and practice of magic. The shop's been closed for a while due to the pandemic, but they're back and better than ever. Their selection combines carefully curated wholesale goods, unique secondhand finds, and handcrafted items from their home base. Peruse their excellent selection of books, home decor, altar supplies, and so much more. Make sure you check out their seasonal subscription packages and mystery boxes, as well as their range of personalized services and readings. And now is the perfect time to do it, because the good people at Crowsbone are offering my listeners a 15% discount on their products and services. Just use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout. This offer excludes subscriptions. Refresh your witchcraft supplies and help support small business while you're at it. Visit www.crowsbone.com and remember to use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout to get 15% off your order. Crowsbone, to thine own self be true. This episode is brought to you by Portland Button Works. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment? Well, fret no more. Portland Button Works is just what you need. Portland Button Works creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items for yourself or as gifts, or order in bulk for merch, table sales, or your own shop. And they are quick! The turnaround time for properly formatted submissions is one to three business days for most orders under 1,000 pieces. That is lightning fast! I've been getting buttons from Portland Button Works for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the hex positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the PBW Witch Shop for a thoughtfully curated selection of witchcraft, magic, and occult-related zines. They've got books, buttons, tarot cards, and more. The collection has a refreshing emphasis on magic that relates to traditional and folkloric witchcraft, chaos magic, secular witchcraft, magical plants and herbs, queer witchcraft, politics and social justice witchcraft, and other non-Wiccan magic. There's a good chance they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Witch Shop and Zine Distro at pbwwitchshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. 
fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. And now, back to the show. So that brings us up to April. And mm-hmm. this this is the first holiday that I'm going to skip because I actually do not celebrate Beltane in any fashion. I don't either, except for the fact that it is the start of the growing season. So sometimes, if I catch it right, I like to get the plants in the ground on that day. And then... Um, Usually, if I catch it on the day, I'm doing some more, like, high-energy sort of yard work, something a little bit more physical. Um, But other other than that, that's all I got. It sounds about right. High-energy yard work sounds fun and exhausting, though. Yeah, usually it involves digging all the holes and getting all the plants in the ground, um... And sometimes mulching, which is no fun ever. I sound like a really big garden witch, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) You certainly sound like you know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, fair, because you do. And you are a garden witch. It's it's, it's your thing. Yeah, I suppose so. From day to day, it doesn't feel like most of my craft revolves around the garden. But I guess uh, when it comes to the 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 holidays and traditions that I have, most of them do. Well, that counts. Of course it counts. Yeah. There you go. I will say that my birthday is in the end of April. It's April 27th. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of my kitty cats, Havoc and Penny, were born around like March, April-ish. So we celebrate a joint birthday for them in April. Oh, that's lovely. That's nice. Yeah, they they get they get new toys. They get extra treats. We take pictures and we sob about how big and fuzzy they're getting. Oh, they get spoiled. I love it. Oh yes, you pull out the baby pictures. Look how tiny you were. <laughs> and now you're 15 pounds, and you hunt lamps for fun. <laughs> oh, oh god. Oh, okay. Hold on. There, here comes. Here comes a dog. A dog is coming <gasps> into the fort. A doggo. <gasps> Hi, Mister. I'm just laughing. I'm okay. He's a good <laughs> boy and comes to check on me when I'm being too loud. <laughs> Lay down, what buddy. a good doggo. So I think that brings us up to midsummer. Now, uh, I don't. I don't actually have any observances for that either. I'm not a summer person. I melt in the heat, so it, it's usually too hot here by mid-June to do much of anything. Uh, where I am in Virginia is is sort of in the middle of like a low-lying swampy sort of area. So when it's summer here, it is summer with a vengeance, and it's really muggy, and it, it can get up into the 90s pretty early in the year. Um, Actually, like, May weather here mm-hmm. is about where I like my summer temperatures. So by the time we get into August, which is when we're recording this, incidentally, and it's, you know, 95 degrees every other day with 80% humidity, I'm like, mercy, tap it out. We've been having the same here, and it's been the, the threatening of a thunderstorm every day type humidity. Mm-hmm. it's there 
Oh, yeah. We, we like to call it Florida weather. It rains all day or it rains every day. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. And the rest of the time, it's like swimming through the air. It's terrible. Mm. Mm. Here, here in midsummer, it's not quite the humid part of the summer yet. It's a little bit early. And it's when strawberries are, like, just starting. Ooh. And so... Most of my midsummer food-wise revolves around strawberries because I love them. And it's a good way to mark the season because they're just happening. Um, and it's not midsummer exactly, but my grandma's death day was in June. And so I do a lot of, um, most of my like ancestrally type work involves um, like around that date just because it's something that I can connect with easily. Oh, that's really neat. Cool. I, I have a feeling also there's there's a strawberry moon around that time of year. I, I don't know whether it's May or June without looking it up. And I know some of our listeners are screaming at me right now saying which one it is. I have a I, feeling it's June because there's a variety, like you can either get June bearing or ever bearing strawberries. So if you get June bearing strawberries, you'd figure it would be in June. Yes. I mean, that makes sense to me. Maybe that's a regional thing. Who knows? It could be. It very well could be. I mean, I can't get strawberries to grow for love or money, so I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Slugs get mine every year. Oh, oof. Slugs. <laughs> I hate slugs. I hate yeah. them so much. Slugs and both. snails. Oh, yes. No. Get away from the cabbages. <laughs> Speaking of like like rituals and traditions, a daily ritual or near daily in the summertime is to go out when I first wake up because I am awake and there's nothing else to do and go in the, into the garden and pick snails off the plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that needs doing, so makes good sense to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my my in-laws have a farm where they have, uh, they actually have a good-sized in-ground garden. So I've heard the horror stories about tiny, slimy friends that are not friends. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, like it or not, they they come out in the nice seasons, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so skipping over midsummer and the hellaciousness that is July... Uh, that brings us to August, which for me is my next major holiday because we make uh, a big deal out of Lunasa in this house. Do you here? Ooh, what what do you do for yours? Um, I typically will talk to some local farmers, or at least this is the first year that I'm doing this, but it's going to be a tradition. Um, I talk to a local farmer to get the first cut of wheat, like just a little bundle a bouquet of wheat, and I'm going to make bridges crosses out of them. I say going to because I completely did not have the spoons for Lunasa on the day of this year, so it's happening a week later, but it's still happening. And um, so I'm going to make make bridges crosses out of those with my partner, actually, and it's the first time he's going to participate in um, a witchy tradition of mine, and it's kind of exciting to have sort of like a... I use them sort of as like um, house protection talismany type dealios and so it'll be nice to have collaborated on something with him where we we share the home that's really awesome and it's a, a good use of the uh the straw that's left over from the wheat that oh that's neat 
I really like that. Oh, new traditions being born. That's so cool. Yeah. Very, very awesome. And you, you did mention before that a lot of your, uh, your, your offertory stuff sort of revolves around bread. So tying the wheat into it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I'm, I usually try to make, um, a couple loaves of bread and do some as offering and give some away. Um, and I also try to do some wild foraging of whatever happens to be in season because I like to celebrate the first harvest of whatever happens to be happening at the time. Um, and along with the first harvest, the first harvest of each type of plant gets given as an offering to the, to the land spirits or to Bridget or um, whoever I'm working with at the time. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Nifty. I was actually uh, uh, just late last month and early this month uh, talking to some folks who were kind of stuck on what to do for Lunasa because so much of uh, the holiday revolves around bread. So it's nice to hear that other people are also observing that sort of first harvest of fruits or vegetables or other plants uh, it's it's a neat thing because there there's a lot that's happening in August. There's a lot that's starting to ripen and a lot that can be taken off the vine. And sure, it's corn and wheat and that's the big one, but there's so much more going on. Yeah, most of what's just now happening in my garden is beans and the very first tomatoes are just starting to ripen. Um so yeah, it's, just, it's the very beginning of harvest season here. So it happens at a perfect time. Nice. Uh, most of my Lunasa traditions have to do with that sort of first fruits angle. Um, the offering that I make is those first fruits. It's early apples, some grapes, cherries, peaches basically whatever berries or early fruits I can get my hands on. And luckily we have a lot of local farms so I can try and buy local as it were. Uh, you'd think it would be easier in a farming region, but it's not always. It's just what the, the supermarkets have available most of the time. I'm in the same situation. I'm in a rural town as well. And we have a small artisan market, but it's, the farmer's market is, is far away. Yeah, we do have a really good farmer's market here. Uh, recently, it's been difficult to get out to it because of because of COVID. They haven't had it as regularly. And there's, they, they can't let as many people in because of social distancing. So I've had to sort of stay away from it, which breaks my heart. But it, it is what it is. And it's best to, you know, be safe and as long as I can have something on the altar, I, I think that my gods would rather that I am here to say thank you for the previous year rather than lying somewhere sick. Definitely. I am in the same sort of boat. We usually get a CSA share, a community supported agriculture share from a local farm, but we didn't do that because I was able to stay home and have a bigger garden than usual. And also we didn't want to put the pressure on them to to feel like they had to have more public in their space. That's probably very wise. Yeah. Yeah. And very considerate. Uh, I am missing the, uh, the Lunasaw festival that we had with, uh, with my in-laws and with some friends last year, we 
all got together on the farm and we had some music and we made some some crafts together and there was singing and a, a little bit of tipsy dancing around a bonfire some some making of wishes and it just like oh the energy was there and it was awesome and now this year we all have to be kind of stuck at home and oh. it, it's a little bit of a letdown but it it is like i said it, it is what it is and it's what we got to do to be safe so yeah definitely <laughs> But having the opportunity yeah. to have those group rituals when you can, like that, that's fantastic. I've never actually had any sort of group um, witchy holiday ritual. So that would be fun to participate in. I've only had a very few and they've all sort of been with my in-laws and the circle that I've made with friends here, which is super informal. We just, we get together when we can, or at least we did. And they have ways of marking the holidays that are just sort of fun. It's, it's not necessarily like a ritualized sort of thing, but it's, hey, it's a holiday. Why don't we get together and have a small party and maybe we'll do some magic while we're at it? Hey, sounds good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Lunasaw for me is also uh, kind of like a weather magic time because here it's when we're coming up on hurricane season. Oh, yes. Oh, we actually had our first tornado warning in, like, years since I can remember being alive here oh my yesterday. Oof. It was fine, but it was just, I hear you with the, with the, with the weather magic, because I definitely did some. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we just had uh, a couple of bands from Hurricane Isaiah roll through uh, this past week, actually. They, they came through very, very early one morning, and... <sighs> Thankfully, everything around where we are is fine. Other areas lost power. Some branches came down. But it was really, it was much worse elsewhere. And while, you know, I, I feel awful for the, the folks who are wrestling with this right now. And, you know, it, it, it is tough in some areas. It's kind of like, oh, this, uh, as hurricanes go, this, this wasn't awful. Right. Uh, it, it still, it destroyed some things and sadly some, some people did die, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't the disaster that we've had to sort of lean into in years past. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping that it sort of sets the precedent for the rest of the hurricane season and maybe it won't be so bad, but now, now having said that, I know I've jinxed it horribly. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. It was me. It was me. <laughs> You'll Ugh. do some magic to make up for it. You'll you'll counter it. It's fine. Yep, yeah, I'm gonna have to pull out the map and start blowing salt around like I do. Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> but uh, one of the, uh, the 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 areas that Lou presides over is storms, and particularly storms at sea. So hurricanes. Yeah. yeah, if if you're going to be asking anybody to, hey, maybe help us get through this, he's 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 a good someone to kind of have on your side, which is why he gets the good rum. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's his own little bottle of, of of Kraken or whatever we happen to to have on hand. Ooh, fun, <laughs> good stuff. And I had someone tell me, you know, when you're doing weather magic that involves hurricanes, always use rum instead of whiskey or whatever other spirit you're uh you're used to using and i gotta say i did notice a difference 
that makes a lot of sense. There is a whole lot of history with rum and sea. Mm-hmm. And also just that area of the world where we see a lot of hurricanes is also sort of synonymous with rum. So it makes good sense. Yeah, definitely. Hey, if the storm gods want rum, I will give them rum. I am more than happy to give them rum. <laughs> well, if it means that we all survive hurricanes and kind of get through it with as little destruction as possible, I'm, I'm here for it. I will go and I will buy the bottle. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. Speaking of buying bottles, uh, Lunasa, in an interesting twist, is also my husband's birthday. Oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah. So... I sort of feel like it was meant to be. It's like, oh, you were born on one of my major holidays. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So that's a uh, fun day then. Oh, yeah, it's great. There's So there's, you know, Lunasa stuff going on, and we usually have uh, a nice dinner for his birthday. And it's it's a good time. It's a lot of a lot of good feelings and a lot of happiness in the house, which is which is nice. And it was it was a nice pick me up this year. Yeah, it's great because that probably feels like like what you're harvesting for the year is 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 good. Like it's not a spoiled crop. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of uh, getting into the harvest season, August for me is sort of the prelude to the Halloween season. I know yeah. I've been I've been seeing that going around on the internet a little bit. That people are like, "Oh, it's August. Halloween starts now." I'm like. I don't know when or why this started, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Usually in August, I would be visiting the Scares That Care convention. It's a little mini horror convention that would uh, would come through town in early August. And it's a, a big, big charity event where, you know, they they have a, a whole bunch of, of, uh, of, of vendors and they have uh, movie stars and directors and just people from the horror community coming through to do panels and give autographs and all that sort of stuff. And it's just such a cool vibe and it's all for charity. And they, uh, they actually pick a few people every year. It's not just, Oh, we're donating to whatever organization it's no, we've, we've picked this family or, or this person and we're giving all of the money we raised directly to them. And it's just such a cool vibe. And I, really am sad that it's not happening this year i mean again i understand but i'm i'm really missing it because it would have been this week yeah that sounds like a really really fantastic event that's great like a really like a personal gift for whoever you know is their recipient of the year yeah it's a cool idea and just the the people that that show up for the con are so so nice and I, I love horror. Like I really love horror. And it's, it's so cool to be, you know, among sort of kindred spirits in that way. And you would be shocked, shocked at how many witches turn up for this convention. It's almost wall to wall. That's it's, amazing. It's, it's insane. Like there, there are actually vendor tables for witchy shops that were there last year. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I was kind of eyeballing 
like trying to get a table this year, but you know, then things happened, but yeah, I still, I still kind of have it on my slate for next year. Like, Hmm, you know, if things are, are returning to sort of normal by next summer, I would yeah. love to freaking do this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be torn. It would be like having a table with the Ren Fair. It's like, oh yeah, I'm here and I'm making money, but I really want to be out there walking around. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. We don't have any really yeah. big horror conventions here other than the After Dark Film Festival, which uh, my partner Chris goes to every year. But I am a big wimp, so horror is not my thing. But <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge wimp. Um, but Chris goes every year and sees at least like three or four movies. And it's in, in Toronto and all like these smaller theaters. And it's a really fun film festival because the, the directors and stuff are usually there. And yeah, that's another yearly tradition. Not quite um, August. That's more of an October thing. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of After Dark. I've seen some of the movies that have that have come out of it and it's it's on my bucket list to attend that some year if I possibly can because it just seems like such a cool thing to do and I want to see those movies because indie horror is really uh really stepping it up lately they're doing great yeah <sighs> I've I've seen a few movies there that weren't quite horror but like horror adjacent like there was um a zombie mm-hmm. musical that was fantastic <laughs> So there's some really fun ones that aren't aren't just horror. Something for everyone. <laughs> I'm 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 still stuck on zombie musical. That sounds so good. I don't remember <laughs> what it called. What it was called. If I remember, I'll send you a link because it was amazing. Oh I had God, the songs yes, stuck do. in my head for weeks. That sounds amazing. So bringing it back around to uh, the 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 autumn season which we're sort of moving into with, with you talking about uh, with October and everything, we'll, we'll cycle it back to no, uh, not November, September. I can read a calendar. I promise. Uh, the autumn solstice is the next one that I have marked. Do you do anything for the autumn solstice uh, apart from the obvious, uh, you know, bringing in all those, those lovely veggies that you've grown? I don't do anything specifically about the the solstice or the is it the solstice that day? Why am I forgetting my calendar? Is Mabon a solstice or an equinox? I uh, yes, I believe that that's the the Wiccan marking of the uh, the autumn the solstice equinox, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And solstice equinox. I always forget what the difference is between the two because I'm a terrible pagan. <laughs> equinox is is equal length day and night. Solstice being a longer one or the other. Ah, okay. I I Fair only enough. remember because because equinox and equal. That's all. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. See, learning all the time. Um. So yeah. Um. I don't do anything specifically for the equinox. But that's around apple harvesting time here. And so I always make sure that we go to a farm stand, at least if we can't do a pick your own apples situation, we do a farm stand and get some apple cider. And I usually magic up that cider, however feels appropriate at the time, if we can make it out on the actual equinox. But yeah, there's always apples. It's very much an apple-based season here. Oh, I'm a little homesick now. (laughs) 
part of my uh, part of my September traditions when I lived in Pennsylvania included going to uh, a little orchard that was, you know, in the area and they had seasonal apple picking. And that was a big part of what I would do. And I would also get the cider and then that would be part of, you know, libations or an offering. And I just miss it so darn much because there's not really an orchard presence here for apples or at least not varieties that that I would, you know, willingly go and pick three pounds of. Right. Do you guys even have... um... Do you have like a turning of the leaves there at all? We do, but it generally doesn't happen until all the way in November. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is so, it's so disconcerting. The leaves don't start turning here until, basically until it's practically Halloween. If we see turning leaves before Halloween, it's very unusual. And then they're, they're beautiful, beautiful colors for a few weeks. And then mid-November, it gets really, really windy. And we'll have, like, the end of hurricane season come through. And then, whoosh, it's just, it's all gone. Right, and, yeah. And then it's bare branches until March. And I miss, I miss Pennsylvania autumns so much. It's like there is a pit in my soul where that season lives. And I'm never... I'm never really like happy in the autumn unless I can see some part of it, even if I can't visit. Right. Yeah. So I, I usually ask my mom to send me pictures. I'm like, what do the trees look like? Oh, that's I so miss nice. them. Just, I just would, take I a, really a quick the shot too. down the road. Just take a quick shot down the road. Show me all the trees with the, with the colors. I miss it so oh, much. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, growing up, growing up, autumn drives were a big tradition for my family. And just my family was a big, big believer in just going for a drive just just because. And so an autumn drive was a necessity in our house. And we would just go for like a couple hours and just go look at leaves. Oh, that sounds so nice. It kind of it actually kind of sounds like what folks uh, would do. In the area where I grew up, I grew up in uh, Bucks County, which is in southeastern Pennsylvania, and it's a semi-rural area. There's some sort of suburban centers, but if you go two miles in any direction, it's like corn country, and there's farmsteads everywhere. So lots and lots of trees, lots and lots of little stands of forest. So you can be driving down a road, and it just it looks like a postcard, and yeah, driving around to get anywhere in autumn was always just so nice because it was so pretty and you would have the, the smell of the leaves and the, the, the burning leaf piles somewhere always. Oh, yeah. man, the it's nice. Is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was I was living in Guelph and Guelph just has the most picturesque countrysides in that I've seen so far and in Ontario at least and it's just especially in the autumn there's so many farmsteads like you said that have farm stands and they all just look so beautiful (laughs) oh I love a good produce stand it's so nice I will I will turn around and go back for a produce stand oh yeah 
definitely that is good stuff. That is good stuff. This is this is um, <sighs> some big September energy. Mm, yes, and actually, the uh, the autumn solstice in September is Freya's day for me because it's like, oh, here's a, a markable day when I can celebrate her and her influence in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually celebrate around that week with uh, with bread making. There's the bread. Yeah. Um, usually it's pumpkin bread because I love pumpkin bread and I have a recipe for cranberry walnut pumpkin bread, which is amazing. Wow. That sounds delicious. It, it is. It's like cake. It's so good. I can't wait to make it again. Uh, usually I'll take a loaf or two to share with neighbors or into the office uh, because it's it's the harvest season, so it's a time of uh, of, of of sharing, uh, like you mentioned with uh, with your local farmers that gives the the community shares out. It, it's the same thing for me, just with bread or you know money or food for a local shelter or food pantry. It's hey, you know, this is the time of year when I'm reaping what I've sown, so I'm going to share it with everybody else to make sure they can make it through the winter. Yeah, that's sort of um, how I treat Lunasaw is like a little bit of the first harvest goes to someone else. That makes good sense, really. So I also leave an offering to Freya uh, on or around the autumn solstice, if I can, uh, mead or honeyed whiskey and a baked good, usually like a, a piece of the bread or a bun or a biscuit, something like that, because it's it seemed appropriate. Uh Sometimes there's an apple, but those usually have more to do with Samhain and Halloween for me. Mm-hmm. And and somewhere between the autumn solstice and Samhain, if I'm really, really lucky, I get to celebrate Turning Day, which is the first sighting of, uh, you know, the leaves changing color. That's fun. Yes. And that's when I really start getting excited. Halloween for me is like a, a straight two-month festival. September 1st is Halloween 1st. And it goes oh. through it goes through like early November. It's just nonstop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely in this house. Or at least in, in my brain it does. I don't know how Chris feels, but that's how it is for me. <laughs> and then, of course, when October hits, we go hard. Oh, we do. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. A funny story there. Um, someone at my husband's job uh, asked him, uh, you know, well, with your, your wife being uh, a witchy person, you know, you, you must have so many decorations going up because it's getting toward Halloween. And he just kind of sighed and went, they never come down. <laughs> I still have um, some skulls that I hung last October on our mantelpiece, and they just never left. They get decorated for the season, like they had flowers <laughs> for the spring and stuff, but they're they're still there. That's fantastic. I like the idea of seasonal skulls. That's nice. That's nice. I always have my my little my little monsters on my desk. Actually, I have a little um, a little Sam teddy bear are you familiar with the the movie trick-or-treat yeah mm-hmm. the little the little kid oh, yeah, little, in the, the footy pajamas yes i have a little teddy bear with his face and the little lollipop that's adorable and i did he, my he lives my on pump- my desk i did my pumpkin as him a couple years ago 
apropos. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> so what else do you do for the, the, the Samhain slash Halloween season? A lot of things. Um, if we don't go to a pumpkin patch, it's like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what happens because it's never not happened. So if we don't go to a pumpkin patch, maybe hell has frozen over because it's just such an important part of my life. I don't think I've ever not done it, even with my family living at home. So like a corn maze and candied apples and picking pumpkins and carving pumpkins, all of that has to happen sometime in October. You don't mess with tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm actually then, hoping we'll get to go and pick pumpkins this year and not just from the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, um, is it pumpkin season around Halloween where you are? Yes. Uh, the gourd type crops do ripen around that time and there is a market for pumpkins. So there are places that do, uh, pick your own and stuff, but you do have to kind of travel a little bit farther afield to find them. I'm glad they're still accessible to you, though. That's good. Yeah. And yeah. then it, it takes some doing, but they're there. So yeah. it, it's nice. It's nice mm -hmm. that they're there. Yeah. I bet I bet it's probably not quite as many as as up here. They, they seem to be every farm has a pumpkin stand up here. Yeah. Yeah, here it's like every farm has fruits and veggies, but you have to sort of search a little bit to find one that has a pumpkin field. Uh, because sort of real estate is at a premium here in a lot of ways. So people have to grow stuff that's going to sell and they can't always just do like a once a year crop like pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So if they have a pumpkin field, it's generally smaller than we might see a little further north, but it might still be there, which is, which is mm -hmm. always nice. Do you, by any chance, have stores like Spirit Halloween where you are? We do indeed. The ones that sort of just pop up out of nowhere and then just disappear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spirit season. It's definitely something that gets noticed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They start eyeing up that uh, those those empty store spaces like, yes, the time has come. <laughs> oh, goodness. Next year, there'll be so many to choose from. Oh, no. Yeah, for real. I am really looking forward to my annual pilgrimage to spirit this year. They are leaning into the witchy stuff this year. Are they? I haven't even oh. looked. I, this is how much of a dork I am. I'm signed up for their mailing list because I just, I like to know what's, uh, what's going on. And it's a nice little pop of Halloween in my inbox every week, which is great. Uh, mm -hmm. And they just sent out the preview of like their tarot related stuff uh, last week. Oh my goodness. They have the uh, the little moon phase tableau now. They have a crystal ball coming out. There is so much new witchy stuff this year. I mean, last year they sort of got into it a little bit because Sabrina was popular on Netflix and everyone was like, woo, this is great. It's fun. And oh, yay, here, there's 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 money to be made. Why not? Um, and they always have like the hocus pocus angle, which I adore. Mm -hmm. But I guess it really did well because they're coming out with 
more merchandise for that sort of area of things this year. And I am so here for it. That's fantastic. That's sort of how I feel about the Michaels catalog and like the Michaels stuff that they put out every year. It's so early because they're like a craft store. So they do stuff early and is, oh man, I think this year's probably going to be witchy for them too. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm actually sort of eyeing up my local Michaels and I'm hoping to get there maybe this weekend if I have time because some of the other ones like people are starting to post pictures of the witchy stuff is here it's time so I want to see if ours has gotten anything in yet oh man ours is probably gonna be so behind because Canada's behind and everything (laughs) ours ours here is like obnoxiously ahead of the curve literally the week of Halloween they're already moving stuff out like even before the holiday stores here are putting their christmas stuff out before halloween oh yeah by by halloween day i think that that our michaels has like no halloween left it's just christmas yeah they start putting christmas stuff out here with back to school oh no it is the worst yikes And I mean, if you're a person who really, really loves Christmas, of course, that's wonderful. But me, I'm like, I have no time for your holly jolly. Let me have my ooky spooky. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. There's a whole month between these holidays that you're missing in the calendar. Just, oh, let me have my Halloween. Keep your tinsel in your trees for like three more days. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Christmas lovers put too many eggs in their Christmas basket. They need to spread it out throughout the year a bit more. I know, right? Just every year, it feels like it takes over a little more of the calendar. Yeah. But Halloween is fighting back, which is why why I get so excited to see, like, Halloween stuff out in, you know, late July and August and everything. And I'm like, (laughs) now you (laughs) know how it feels. It's our turn. (laughs) Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So this year, I guess uh, we won't be doing terribly many Halloween parties because some people can't wear their masks and be responsible. <clears throat> <laughs> I but, know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the rage. The rage is real. It's oh, so man. real. Ugh. Too real. But yeah, but last year, uh, there were actually a couple of really good parties in the area. There was a goth night at one of the local bars, and we just, we lived it up. So it was it was great. Last Halloween was freaking amazing, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to hang on to those memories, and I'm going to stay inside, and I'm going to marathon my favorite movies on Shudder, and just kind of deal with it. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to ha- be happening for Trick or Treat this year, but um, mm. growing up, I was a huge Trick or Treat fan, like huge. And then so much so that I mean, throughout college, I participated in Trick or Eat, which is like a door-to-door collecting canned goods instead of candy. And so I did that up until maybe a couple years ago. And now I've just been having, you know, parties with friends, like small little little parties. And recently been incorporating uh, reading tarot for whoever's there um and yeah so like that's that's the halloween night it's a little small get together not this year but yeah that sounds really nice 
and I like the idea of uh, of bringing the tarot in uh, as like not only like well, it, Samhain and, and Halloween are traditional times for uh, divination and fortune telling games to begin with, so it's very appropriate for the time. Uh, but it's it's a fun little thing to do, you know, with uh, with your friends as well, and kind of introduce them to it. Yeah, and I think Halloween is a good it's a good access point for people who aren't maybe familiar with the witchy community. They can sort of get into it for the night and learn a little bit about tarot when otherwise, like they're not going to ask about it just in the summertime on a random day. And but they might ask about it when they're feeling a little bit spooky. Oh, absolutely. Which that's actually part of why I'm so excited to see, you know, sort of witchy and witch adjacent stuff in these mainstream stores for the season, you know, Halloween is the gateway drug. <laughs> um, if you're, if you're, if you're into Halloween, chances are at some point you will intersect with the witchy community. And it it makes me very happy to see that becoming more of an accepted practice. Yeah. It's, just, I, it's nice. I totally agree. I think that no matter your access point, it's a, you know, a good introduction. And, I don't really understand the whole not wanting witchcraft to become mainstream or like the aesthetic to become popular. Cause I just think, wow, more people making witchy stuff. I, I get to have more. It's great. Exactly. I mean, I could kind of understand that, you know, maybe folks don't want it to become diluted or they don't want it to, uh, become a thing where people are spreading misinformation around again we've we've seen so much nonsense on tiktok just yes. so much but the thing is we were still seeing that you and i were still seeing that you know five years ago on tumblr it, it's not a new thing it's always there there's always new people coming in who don't know what's going on or have gotten bad information so that's just going to be an ongoing process, I would much rather have more people to have to explain stuff to than to have to uh, explain to a whole bunch of new witches how to hide what they're doing because it's not generally accepted. Yeah, definitely. I think that any way that we can... The aesthetic becoming popular is only going to make it... Yeah, easier to talk about for people outside of the community. Exactly. And the more that you make something sort of popularly acceptable in a fun way, in a popular, like, like a cultural way, and to do with popular media and everything, it will be easier for people to have those discussions who may not have been able to have them before. Uh, so many stuff. Oh, yes. God, I love Halloween. Um, I actually do my annual warding ritual on Halloween night. So if I'm not partying, I'm at home uh, doing the biggest casting that I do all year. I'm always wiped after. So it's got to be like the last thing that I do with my night. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's offerings to all the patron deities. They all get whiskey and apples. That's That's the big deal. And then the old wards get kind of raveled up and dismantled a little bit, and then brand new ones get put in place. So it it takes some doing, and it is a process. 
there's stuff that stays in place to like kind of keep the framework the whole time. Uh, but it's still, it's, it's hard work. And you know, that, that sort of that energy rush that you feel during. And then after it's like, you just ran a mile. I know that feeling. Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. Usually afterwards, I just kind of flop onto the couch and I'm like, I'm not moving for the next hour. <laughs> and I'm just what? tired. Yeah. If I'm doing any big workings, it's usually afterwards, I'm just going to bed. It's just mm-hmm. bedtime. <laughs> yep. 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 Makes perfect sense to me. I don't actually have any like yearly traditions of like a specific big working. I kind of, the big ones are in like a, on a need to basis for me. That makes good sense. Just kind of do things as you need to do them, whether it's warding or, you know, garden magic or whatever it is. Just, yeah. 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 The warding and is sort of a, whenever I'm going to do a seasonal ritual, like no matter the holiday, um, some sort of boundary setting is going to be, is, is going to be involved in that. So that sort of, small working is throughout the year instead of a one big one for me that's also smart (laughs) i've i've been known to like refresh my wards throughout the year just sort of like like you said like as needed uh but i i kind of like the idea of like tearing down the old structure and and building up something new uh you know getting rid of the stuff that might have gotten caught in them and just you know boom brand new ones for for the year yeah yeah Yeah. i love that Mm -hmm. we'll be back with more hex positive after this brief sponsored break since we're all heartily fed up with amazon right about now i've decided to open a small online witch shop on my wordpress you can pick up copies of grove daughter witchery the sisters grimoire and pestle work or shop for witchy goodies like banishing powder witch web kits and witchy buttons you might even get a special surprise or two with your order. Go to brainagarin.wordpress.com slash shop to place your order today. If you're craving more witchy goodness in your podcast feed, check out Witchcraft for the Restless. Hosted by Kai, your resident queer folk herbalist, Witchcraft for the Restless is a monthly podcast that focuses on the many intersections of magic, feminism, nature, tarot, and everyday life. Every episode focuses on a new topic with fun recurring segments like Rustlings from the Grove, where Kai answers questions from the community, or the Witchcraft Cabinet, which talks about different spell ingredients and their uses in magic, and my personal favorite, Restless, where Kai just dishes on what she's up to. It's like sitting down for a chat with a good friend. I've really been enjoying this podcast. Kai and I have been mutuals on social media for half of forever, and I've always really enjoyed what she has to say. She's fun to listen to, she's clearly done her homework, and she's not afraid to tackle tough topics like racism in the witch community. This show isn't even half a dozen episodes in, and I'm already hooked. Check out Witchcraft for the Restless on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at The Restless Witch, and sign up for Kai's Patreon to get bonus episodes in between the regular releases. And remember, a little restlessness now and again is a good thing. 
now, back to the show. And actually, speaking of, of weaving things, because that's how I visualize most of my magic, crochet season also starts around this time. It does indeed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So it's time to start those new projects, of which I have way too many, <laughs> or pull out an old one to finish, of which I also have way too many. Yeah. <laughs> we have so many throw blankets. Oh, my thing recently has been plushies. And so I just have like a whole lot of half finished, um, like little elf guys and horses and other little creatures. There's just too many. That's adorable. There's a shawl that I want to make this year for for October. Um, it's called the Lost Soul Lost Souls shawl. It's a really <gasps> popular pattern, and it's um, like a, a skull skull motif, and it's in a triangle shape. It's really pretty. But yeah, so crochet season is it's a big one for me too. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to have something warm on your lap when it's cold and to like keep your hands busy. Yeah, it seems very, very seasonal to just be sitting by a drizzly window with like a hot drink. Oh, yes, so much. Plus, it's, it's cool to then, you know, be like, oh, I made a scarf or I made a, a little capelet or a hat or whatever. And you can wear it out and people go, "Ooh, it's cute. And you go, I made that. Doesn't it feel great? Oh, it's the best. Or when, you know, it's like, hmm, we could use a new coverlet for the bed. Should we buy one? No, let's make one. <laughs> there's, exactly. there's a certain, there's a certain sense of, of pride in accomplishment and craftsmanship that's just, it's nice. It really is. And it has the extra nice. perks of you can add magic to it in so exactly. many different ways. Mm -hmm. So much weaving magic, so much not work magic. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It's ridiculous. And they make great gifts. Don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you start on small projects in, you know, September or whenever it starts getting cold where you are. By Christmas, <laughs> everybody's got a handmade something. Honestly, that's most of my gifts. Most years, it's just, just crocheted stuff. I mean, it works. It does, and if, doesn't it? if they're receptive, yeah. Why not? Why not? So since we're getting into uh, the, the latter portion of the year, I think we can go ahead and move to uh, November. Yeah. Do, you do, do you do anything in particular in November? Um, that's Chris's birthday month. And so we always do... His birthday usually gets spread out over the course of a few days because our friend groups are rather spread out across, you know, a few hours worth of travel time. Not sure what's going to be happening this year. That's all in the up, up in the air, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's a big four day event. And I just like to spend that time kind of rebuilding those community like friendships because, you know, with our friends being so, so far apart distance wise uh those years those um times of year are really the only times we can touch base so it's not just a birthday it's also just like a a celebration of friends that sounds really nice oh I'm, I'm i'm missing partying with friends and i know my husband is too so yeah that no that sounds great yeah and cool. now we're getting to the age where everyone is having babies and so there's babies that we're not going to see this year but Aww. yeah 
Oh, when they're 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 so cute when they're in that jelly bean stage. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. But November's November's really nice and it's probably my hmm least favorite weather-wise though. <laughs> and so I honestly don't really acknowledge anything else about the season other than Chris's birthday. Fair enough. I mostly like November because it's still an autumn month and here it is it, it's the point when like actual autumn weather kind of happens. So I get to have my little condensed version of the season. And that's the part that I really enjoy. Uh, I don't actually, I know in you're in, in Canada, so you guys don't really do Thanksgiving, but you know, they make a big, big deal of it here in the States. Um, Ours is in October. Our right. October. Yeah. It's, it's, it still happens, and we still have, like, a family Thanksgiving dinner, but it's definitely not nearly as big as the American Thanksgiving. Yeah, with all the, the, the football and everything kind of packed yeah. into it, and it's 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 monstrous. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't really like the holiday here anymore. Like, I, I like the idea of family and feasting i love that bit i love the togetherness angle of it but it's so tied in with like gross colonialist ideas that it's it's weird for me to have to like be part of it in in certain ways um yeah i'm i'm right there with you i feel the same way i'm a dual citizen my mom's american and so growing up we actually celebrated both thanksgivings is that's a um, lot of turkey. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And plus, like, then Christmas is, like, right there. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Of <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, so now I just, like, we still get together and have a meal. But that's about it. Not fair. I kind of lean into the food and feasting and, and togetherness aspect of it. Um, in years past, we've... Uh, We've had friends over a couple of times. We've gone to see family for it once or twice. But usually I just make up a big dinner with all the trimmings at home. And that's that's kind of our thing. And then the next day I'm like, hey, it's Indigenous People's Day. <laughs> yeah, and that's, exactly. that's when I start yelling about holidays because, you know, the hell with Columbus. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And the the giving thanks part of the holiday, I do do to a point because uh, it's like, OK, the harvest season is winding down. And thank you for everything we've had. Hopefully we can make it through the winter. OK. And, you know, here we go. Buckle in. Yeah, I sort of have a, a similar sort of feeling about the season is just a, it's time to buckle down and you know, bed down for the season and snuggle in. Yeah. It's time to hibernate. Yes. Oh, my I'm, favorite thing. I'm such a big hibernator in the winter. I, <laughs> I'm a dog walker as my day job. So you'd think that I would like the outdoors in the winter. No. Oh, my goodness. It's bad. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Nothing like having seven dogs and waiting for all of them to pee while it's, you know, eight degrees. Yeah, yeah. I spend about you know, five, six hours a day outside, no matter the Oof. weather. <laughs> Yikes. Goodness sakes. Yeah. 
So that brings us all the way around to December. Um, what do you do for uh, for December? Um, I do celebrate solstice, and recently I've been celebrating with a solstice fire and a solstice spiral with my immediate family, which is a newish thing in the past couple years. Um, they don't uh, experience it as any sort of big ritual or religious experience. It's just sort of like a fun outdoor thing for them. But I do build a spiral of evergreen branches in the backyard, and there's a little little fire pit there, and there's music and you know just chatting, and then food after. Um, but yeah, so I'm usually with my immediate family for the Christmas season, and so Solstice is usually wrapped up in that. And it just seems like one of those holidays that I really don't want to celebrate alone. And so even if they're not going to experience it as like a witchy, magical experience, um, it's still nice to have them there and participating. That sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. You uh, you actually talked about that on, on your podcast in the early days. You talked about uh, doing a, a solstice spiral dance. Or yeah. a, a little a little ritual for it with your family. And I just was like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, like it's it's not a huge ritual or anything. So I think that's why it's uh, as easy for them to get on board with it. Mm -hmm. um, it. Really, we just walk the spiral in and out and, you know, music and food. What's not to love? I know, right? Oh, that's fantastic. Do you uh, celebrate Yule or Christmas or do you just observe the solstice? Um, I do celebrate Christmas, although not in the Christian sense, but my family still has a ton of traditions around the season because, um, growing up, my family was very tradition oriented. It, especially me and my sister, it seemed like if we did something extra fun or something funny happened that year, no matter what it was, it was going to happen again the next year. So we kind of, we grabbed on tradition onto traditions and held on tight um so around christmas we have like silly rules in our house like we can't look at the christmas tree until after we've looked at our stockings and um kids have to be up before parents although now it's well, there's not really kids in the house so soon it'll be the next generation of kids have to be up before everybody else and um stockings first and then big uh, big breakfast afterwards and presents and sort of the regular Christmassy activities after that. But there's a, it's full of those silly rules that, you know, nobody else except for our family observes. And yeah, so I guess that's where my love of tradition started is because my me and my sister really grabbed them tight. Aww. I think every family has like those those really quirky personal traditions. If at no other time of year than around Christmas, just because it's such a family-oriented holiday. And I know that it has, you know, it, it is technically a religious holiday, but the way it has entered the public consciousness, there is a secular aspect to it now. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's part of everything we see. And I know that in, uh, in the U.S. at least, it's because there is a, uh, a Christian majority in, you know, media and advertising. And that's just sort of like the default for anyone who's talking about stuff. It's, oh, it's Christmas. And God forbid you ask someone to say a holiday sale. <laughs> and you, you would think that you had stabbed somebody. It's terrible. 
but yeah, my my family is is the same. Um, we would uh, we used to do midnight madness at my grandmother's house uh, when everyone uh, was still around, and when we were all a lot younger and able to stay up until midnight. <laughs> um, we would all go to the late service at the local uh, Presbyterian church and then come back and everyone would open their presents at the same time. It was, oh, I love that. it was madness. And that's hence the name. And then we would all, you know, go to bed, wake up in the morning, play with our toys. Um, we, uh, we, we sort of stopped doing that. Uh, as people got older and people moved away, but it was still a lot of fun. Like when we were, when my brother and I were like little, little kids, that was just insane. And it was a big part of our Christmas. Um, nowadays I have Christmas with the in-laws and my in-laws, by the way, are fabulous, fabulous people. I absolutely adore them. I am probably like the luckiest bride in the world my in-laws love me and I love them too. And we get along great. That's amazing. I know. And even better, my mother-in-law is pagan. Oh, wow. It's fantastic. Well, I don't actually, I should, I should amend that. I don't know if she identifies as pagan, but I do know that she does a lot of witchy stuff. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously as we've seen uh, talking about Lunasa, you know, they, they will have stuff go on at their house for various holidays when and if they can. And the big one for the family is Christmas. Um, everyone gets together and there's a big uh, Christmas breakfast and they always have stolen um, that German pastry with the, the fruit inside and the powdered sugar on top. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. And then mm-hmm. afterwards there's, there's presents and then everyone kind of, sits around, talks, watches TV, takes a nap. And then there's uh, a Christmas dinner uh, sort of late in the afternoon. And then everybody goes home and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a nice sort of, yeah, togetherness type thing. That sounds like, like a really nice sort of homey, cozy, traditional Christmas. I like it. It is. It's nice. And they always play the same uh, Lorena McKennett album during <laughs> during the Christmas breakfast. I love which that, is, which is just oh so much fun. It is it's it's lovely. It's beautiful music. Uh, so it, it's very seasonally appropriate. Um, the other uh, there there's two little traditions they have that are just so quirky, and I absolutely love them. Uh, every year, someone gets the gift. It's literally a little like broken off piece of signboard that says gift. <laughs> uh, at, at some point, a gift shop was being dismantled, and my father in law just brought home the piece that said gift and gave it to somebody as a gag. And it's it's kind of endured every year at Christmas, someone has to get the gift. I love that and, so much. Yeah. There's usually something taped to the back of it, like a gift card or like a special uh, plan for an excursion or something like that. So th- there is a gift with the gift, 
but it's just, it's kind of like, ooh, who's going to get it this year? It's like the pickle ornament on the Christmas tree. Who's going to find it first? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And there's also a remote-controlled T-Rex toy that always makes an appearance. I'm I'm still not sure why, uh, but that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> that's so fun. I love that. And it's hilarious. Uh, Our unexplained thing is uh, we have a Christmas ornament that's a Santa made out of pipe cleaners, and we call him Skinny Santa. And it's been in my dad's family since before he can remember, so I guess it belonged to his grandpa at some point. Um, And we lose it every year, but we also find it every year. So who knows how that works? But, yeah, it's just one of those little... little, ornamental things that's just a little tradition that is hilarious oh my god so you it just like falls off the tree and it gets lost yeah we can't find it for like days at a time during christmas almost every year (laughs) and then it just turns up yeah oh my god that's great still haven't figured out if our dad is playing a trick on us or not to be (laughs) determined (laughs) <laughs> I like that a lot better than the elf on the shelf, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. That thing's creepy. <laughs> yep. Uh, actually, um, leaning into the idea of, of Christmas, we, we sort of celebrate Christmas and Yule um, jointly in my house because my husband is Unitarian Christian. I was raised Christian. Um, his family still attends the local Unitarian church every so often and uh around christmas is uh is the most likely time of year that i will actually go um i i very much like having my weekends to myself so i don't i don't attend the church but it's a lovely lovely place and it's been very very welcoming um so that's that's the time of year where i sort of dip back into how I grew up and just be like, Oh yeah, you know, this is how I was raised and there's a family focused. And I really, really love Christmas hymns. Um, you know, converting and and becoming a pagan and becoming a witch did not diminish how much I love music, especially certain, uh, types of Christmas music. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. My, um, my dad's a piano teacher and he was our church organist and my mom was in the choir and so the music was a huge part for me as well. And um, I haven't gone to the Christmas service in a while, but if I was if I was going to, it would that would be the most likely time of year for me as well. Um, at the church growing up, we would always end with Silent Night with um, just candlelight. And so that's something I still do on my own. I'll probably I listen. I like to listen to Silent Night, my favorite rendition of the season or the year, and. Um, light some candles as part of my little personal Yule tradition. Oh, that's lovely. I, I may actually copy that for this year, if you don't mind awfully, because that sounds great. It's quite nice. And like yeah. my, my church growing up wasn't, it was, we had a really old congregation. Mm. Um, so it wasn't the most lively, but it was really, it was nice when, when the times could be like quiet like that because it actually felt like an appropriate energy for the congregation. Yeah. And there is something so lovely about, you know, 
the, the church lit only by candlelight and everyone singing Silent Night and when people actually know all the parts to it and it's just like one big choir. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've said uh, in conversations before that I question how often I really sort of quote unquote felt the spirit during my ex my experiences as a Christian. But I think the closest that I ever came was during those times when it was, you know, everyone holding candles and singing Silent Night. And there's just such a wonderful feeling of hope and discovery and like, oh, you know, something new is here. And it's so uplifting and wonderful. I cry every time. And it's, it's just, there's something very beautiful and very moving about it, the way it brings people together. And I, I, I still really enjoy that. And it's not something that I, you know, want to miss out on when it's Christmas time, because it's not Christmas unless you have Christmas songs. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can completely agree. Um, I, the couple times that I have, you know, quote unquote, felt spirit, which I, now equate with just sort of being connected to spirit in general. Um, and I never really felt it a lot in the Christian church, but the times that I did was during those hymns where everyone is just like in the moment and just feeling, feeling it. Exactly. There is something about music that brings people together. There is magic in that. And it doesn't really matter what you happen to be singing if you're all singing it together something kind of connects you and there there's something so beautiful about that yeah i highly recommend anyone who has never sung with a group with like an actual purpose of like singing as a unit i highly suggest it as just even a spiritual practice because honestly it's amazing oh yeah if if you ever have trouble like as a practitioner sort of getting into a groove or like feeling energy or feeling a spirit definitely agree highly recommend group singing to do it because you will feel it it's yeah, like, it's there's nothing that can describe it it's just you suddenly feel like whoa like there it is yeah even singing with one other person it can um it's good practice for even getting to know what another person's energy feels like because it, mm -hmm. it's sort of a tangible, it's an audible way of getting to like feel what you're they're feeling and like how you two uh, mutually mesh together energetically. Exactly, exactly. Oh, so nice. So uh, just to finish up the Yule and Christmas angle, uh, I do I do observe the solstice actually. Uh, that's the Thor's day offering. Um, and when it falls on a Thursday, it's, it's extra special, uh, you know, mead or whiskey, fruit, candy, winter treat, something along those lines. It should, in my mind, be meat of some sort, but we have cats and it's, it's not safe to leave meat out around them because they will get it. They, yeah. they are, they are little chonkers and they are hungry <laughs> because God knows I never feed them. That's why my I'm so gla uh, grateful to have a garden now is because I have a place to put offerings that aren't safe for kitties to get, but they can be just like left in the garden and it's fine. Yeah. I just have my altar like 
on top of a bookcase. So there has not been an occasion yet where I've had a kitty try and hop up there to get something, but I'm dreading the day that it happens because it will someday. I know it will. You've had some very, very well-behaved kittens then. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they're, they're pretty well-behaved for the most part. And it's just, it's not, it's sort of a taller bookcase. It's, it's, it's like four feet tall. So, and there's nothing up there usually that like interests them. Yeah. And they have other places to have like vertical seating areas so they don't get too curious about it. Mm-hmm. But one of these days they're going to smell something up there and just be like, Ooh, is that for me? And then there's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. It, it is inevitable. It, it will happen eventually. I'm just sort of prepared for it, but yeah. And along with that cleaning, um, I'll probably uh, do a cleansing around Christmas or Yule just because by that time of year, I will have felt if there's any holes or like patchy bits in what I did back at Samhain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right around that time, it's like, oh, OK, there's a bit over there that I didn't quite, you know, get as as, as good as I could have gotten it. Let me just let me just patch that up. Yeah, I think that around um, that time of year is also when I do most of my sort of a lot of the grounding and boundary setting and um, like introspective type stuff in the dark half of the year. Um, And like all of the the hearth bound, home bound things that are important when the weather is maybe too bad to, to go very far. That makes good sense. I actually, I miss having a hearth. Yeah, we don't really have, we don't have a real hearth. Our hearth is electric. Hey, I mean, stoves, stoves count if that's what you got. But I miss having like the bricks. There's, there's something nice and grounding about that and having that be your center. But hey, you you work with what you got. Exactly. Cool beans. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of the year, actually. Do you have any other traditions that you can think of that we've skipped over? Um, I don't know if, if daily or, like, weekly sort of traditions count, but uh, I guess it's more of a ritual when it's on a daily thing. But um, if I'm awake, if I'm awake and outside early enough to notice dew on the grass, on to notice dew on the grass, I'm definitely going to be walking in it barefoot. Uh, and let's, it's just a, a little tradition, and it's sort of something that I hold myself to no matter how what the weather's like. If I notice dew out there or, like, sometimes a frost, it's just something to um, greet the day with and absorb, like, the, the newness of the day. Oh, I'm right there with you. I love walking around in dew-laden grass and bare feet there's oh there's something so nice about that even though your feet get drenched and covered in grass and you might get chilly it's just there's something kind of tingly and cool about it yeah it definitely it feels like it feels like a beginning to me mm-hmm. I, I actually do something similar uh when there's like a gentle rain in the summertime when it's warm weather and it's not like you know, pouring 
down if it's not bucketing down and it's just like oh you know it's just nice fat happy raindrops i'll like you know tip my umbrella back and kind of turn my face up for a second like oh i like the rain and it smells nice and it's pretty yeah um i like to do something similar when there's a sun shower so i like to collect some some water from the sun showers because it has all that like that like rainy stormy energy but also the sun it's really nice Oh, I love sun showers. I love a good sun shower. And they they happen here kind of like on the regular, which is really, really nice, especially in springtime. Oh, that's fun. They're not frequent yeah. here. Yeah, there there'll be one at least once a month in spring, sometimes later into the summer, depending on like how the weather goes. Oh, nice. uh, so it, it is really cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, this has been super duper fun. It really I, has. I think this was a great idea. I'm surprised by how many traditions we have in common or just things that are that are really, really similar. Yeah, same. Like kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah, I have to wonder if there's similar parallels for other witches. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pose a challenge to the listeners. Ooh. After having listened to this, sit down and quantify your own traditions, whether you're just thinking about them or discussing them with a family member, you know, list them out, describe what you do, what it means to you, where it comes from, make a record of your own traditions and your family lore. I think that would be a really neat addition to someone's craft just to be like, this is what we do throughout the year and this is where it comes from and this is what it means. Just a, a neat sort of sort of creative exercise. Family lore is one of my very favorite things to learn about. Like, tell me all of your quirky family stories, please. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Fabulous. That is something we should revisit in the future is family lore. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Well, Kai, thank you so much for, for coming and doing this with me. This has been amazing. And I definitely urge everyone listening to go and check out Witchcraft for the Restless if you haven't. Uh, Kai, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Awesome. It has been such a pleasure being here. And you can find me at The Restless Witch on most things, um, Instagram and Tumblr. And on Twitter, I'm Restless underscore Witch because my name was already taken. Um, and you can find my Etsy shop at The Restless Witch as well. I've just started making uh, hand-rolled beeswax candles, and I'm kind of really excited about how they're turning out. So if you want to check those out, I urge you to do so. Fantastic. We are so doing this again. But until then, I'm Brina Garen, your host, reminding you to stay safe, wash your hands, and always practice safe hex. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hacks.